when that is the case, it is very limiting to you as an individual because circumstances don't allow you to kind of like maybe pursue your studies or pursue your passion and career that you want to. Um, in my case, you know, I was fortunate enough that, you know, my father was supporting our family. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like, I think you can relate to this, there is this expectation when you're coming from an Asian family or an immigrant family that, especially if you're a son, that, you know, once you're done with your studies, you kind of start supporting the family as soon as possible. You, you know, kind of lend a hand to your father and help, you know, uh, contribute to the family. So there is that pressure. Uh, so I guess I was a little bit selfish. I didn't cave into that pressure and kind of keep pursuing. And I did study, I feel like, for a long time. Um, because when I was doing my undergrad, when I was working in Zuma, uh, when I was doing my postgrad, a lot of my friends, a lot of my peers from secondary schools, uh, they have already started their careers. Yeah. A lot of them were like secondary school teachers. Uh, they were earning really well, they had really good jobs. And I was still a student. Um, but I feel like now that when I look back, it's actually, it was actually worth it. Because once again, I feel like we limit ourselves by thinking very short term. Yeah, yeah. which is not, uh, I get to learn really late because I, <clears throat> I realize once, we, sometimes yes, at dinner sometimes it's not a choice that we want to make, but mm -hmm. it's the circumstances that we push through to <coughs> the idea of early age working. And I, I think, imagine, our community, especially immigrant and shit, Asian, uh, we start working for since 18. Yeah. Probably sometimes 17. And our parents or our, 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 our society think that you start making from 18, by 30 you'll make a lot of money. But it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> it's not true. It's not true because sometimes I look back, my friends, they are refused. My, um, for my school time in Nepal. So probably they were still studying when I was working. Mm -hmm. and they were still studying. They will not make any money, any. Mm -hmm. But when they finish the studying, their growth goes mm -hmm. faster. Yeah. I mean, I was given this temptation actually, um, I'm not sure if I have mentioned this to you. Uh, so when I was working in Zuma, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was planning on leaving to do my master's because I've saved up enough, uh, one of the deputy GM, I think, so he was going somewhere else, and he asked me if he would, um, if I would join him in yeah, his new place. Yeah, I think you told me that. That's and, why yeah. you survived, man. <laughs> and yes, he offered me a very lucrative salary. Yeah, like yeah. during that time, he was saying like, oh, around 20K. Like as a student who just freshly graduated. Okay, 15K, not a lot of money. 20K was a lot of money. It was more than what my father was making. You know, so there was that back in, oh, 20K is a lot of money. I'm earning more than my father, so that's definitely good. I can support my family. Like, I can just stay in F&B instead of, you know, do my master's, you know. But I don't know what came to my head. I fortunately said no to that. Because, yes, I did another year of, you know, master's, another year of studies. Um, start earning money a lot later than a lot of my peers. But the moment I start making money now, I am earning a lot more. I can say easily double to what I would have been earning if I stayed in FNB. I think also um, the money is is a, is a, is a thing, mm -hmm. but <coughs> what you are doing is is a good thing for uh, for 
for our community and society that I think there is, I can proudly say that I know a person who's, uh, who has the same name as me mm -hmm. and who is actually teaching in, in, in HQU. Right? That's also the, okay, you know the money will follow something, mm -hmm. yeah, you become something, yeah. but these are the things that we need to actually mm -hmm. get away from stereotype of our uh, our community that what we do we do work in this industry we work in this industry right. that's the limitation that we mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. and more than that is actually n it's not I mean, not impossible right but you need person to to see like you know to make example of right like we know we know I'm sure you have some friends and family will actually also be pretty proud of to see you going to HQU, teaching these people. And you, you over there, you know, it's just a door open for for the younger generation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Think so. I think you can almost compare this to investment, right? Yeah. Like, if you're looking short term, yes, you're doing a job, you get paid <coughs> monthly. So that's immediate, right? That's very immediate gratification. But, um, you know, like education, I would say it's almost like investment. In the short term, you see nothing. You're spending a lot of money, you're not getting much in return. But in the long run, it actually pays off. You get a better life, um, you get yeah, better social status, you get uh, more stability, you know, you're able to support your family better. And um, like you said, you know, kind of set a good president, uh, set a good example for the younger generation as well. You know, in my family, I would say I was the first person to have finished um, you know, a um, university degree from one of the official universities in Hong Kong and actually finished a master's degree as well. And also the first um, to be a lecturer. So I feel like that does somehow inspire because now that I look at my younger cousins, yeah. you know, once they see, all right, actually this is possible, uh, their parents know this is possible. You know, I would often get calls from uncles and aunties asking me for advice. You know, obviously the kids, the younger people, they work hard themselves, you know, they put in the effort. But, you know, it opens up this possibility that, oh, actually I can also do this. It becomes a choice for them. So I would get calls from uncles and aunties asking for advice, like, oh, what should they do? How should they apply for university? Is it worth it? So I would kind of give these general advices and, yeah, kind of like, you're kind of forming a new path for, you know, people like us, I would say. But <coughs> talking about advice, mm -hmm. so what sort of advice do you give it to them? Do you give them the reality or you give them a little bit of a, like masala, add into it, no, it's amazing, you know, you have to send them, this This is so much fun, so easy. Mm -hmm. Or you just tell them it's a lot of work, uh, probably not going to make any money, probably not going to get be in a, a good student, you know, like right. sometimes it happens, mm -hmm. you, go to, uh, you go to university, mm -hmm. the expectation from, from the parents maybe not going to happen, right? Also, I think... That we, I realize that we also need to change. Okay, we want our kids to study, mm -hmm. but we don't want to get the pressure. You know, okay, you have to be that. You mm -hmm. need to be this. No, I mean in terms of advice, because um, again, I didn't have a lot of knowledge. Once again, you know, I didn't have anyone around me who had been to universities yeah. who have been in this field. So it was more like figuring it out myself or asking my friends um, who were already teaching for advice a little bit. Um, but again, they were in slightly different fields. Their path um, towards their degrees and masters and education career was slightly different. But the advice I give to my like friends and relatives and cousins were not very specific, actually. Uh, it didn't have to be because if we think about it, they didn't really know anything. 
about the university system, the education system, uh, the opportunities that these degrees will provide them, the education will provide them. So my advice was always very basic about university applications, you know, what kind of degrees or courses they can do. Um, if they're interested in computer science, go ahead, do computer science. If they're interested in economics, go ahead, do economics. Because by that time, I know regardless of what degree you have, it's going to be good for you. Yeah. Because it's not only about the degree, it's about when you are doing the degree, you meet a lot of different people from a lot of different walks of life. Uh, you experience a lot of things that you wouldn't experience in your day-to-day -day life. You know, you, you meet people internationally, economists, uh, uh, professors, lecturers. You know, you go on internships, you go on exchanges. Um, it allows them those opportunities regardless of what degree they do. Even if they don't do well in their studies, um, they don't get a good GPA, actually that's completely fine. That's something I always tell my current students at the end of every semester. Because now degree is almost a minimum requirement. You have to have it, right? Because yeah. everyone has a degree. You know, it, it doesn't give you an advantage, but not having a degree in a place like Hong Kong kind of puts you a little bit at a disadvantage, actually, um, in a lot of the fields. Um, you know, I ask my students, I tell them to guess, since I've graduated from a master's, I ask them to guess how many employers or institutions have asked me for my GPA, or asked me for my grades, or asked me for my transcripts. You want to take a guess? None. <laughs> yeah, zero. Literally zero. Because once the degree, the master's degree is on your CV, that is just a minimum requirement. And they don't have to go with details about yeah. it, right? You have a degree, you have a degree. Yeah. After that, it's um, how you perform in the interviews. You know, how you showcase your personality, your skill set, your competence. You know, are you able to do what you're being hired to do? It's not about the grades. Grades, you can have straight A's, but you might still not be able to apply that knowledge in real life. You know, so I tell my students, don't focus so much purely on grades. Yes, grades are important. But what about, you know, your experience? What about networking? You know, pick up skills that you know you might need for the career you're planning for. So all these things do come into play a lot. So to get a degree, I mean, if, if people who are watching or listening to us, mm -hmm. what are the requirements, how they, they, they should pursue, like if you have some advice, like the basic thing, how do you apply, what, they, what kind of... Well, I mean, the basic, I mean, the basic, it's almost more or less, a lot of it's done for you. You know, it's, what you need to do is perform really well in secondary school, in the DSE exams now. Secondary? Yeah. Like now, because when I was studying, we had two public exams, which was a lot harder. So we had the HKCE in Form 5, and then we had the HKAL, uh, A-levels in Form 7, before we could enter the university. Now it's six years of secondary school. And they only have one public exam, which is a BSc exam. Is it harder or easier? Um, I guess it depends. They are taking it one year earlier. Um, and they so there is no HKS, there is no Form 5 now? No, there is Form 5, Form 6, but no Form 7. Oh. Yeah, so only one public exam. So if they do really, really well in those exams, um, you know, chances are they'll probably get into the university of their choice. But. I feel like a lot of, this puts a lot of pressure on students. You know, I talk to a lot of my friends who are secondary school teachers. You know, students don't realize this is only one of the many different ways they can get into universities. 
they feel like, oh, if I do poorly in the public exams, I don't get into university, my life is over. That's actually not true. Like, the first time I tried to apply universities, I failed, you know? Um, but look at me now. You wouldn't say I am unsuccessful or I failed in life. I'm a university lecturer, right? So, like, for example, especially these days, it's so much easier. Like, they can apply for associate degrees. There's a lot of these community colleges uh, run by universities. There's a lot of um, international universities. You know, a lot of students go to U.S., U.K., yeah, Australia, they, Canada. How, how they get this, uh, the, um, is, is it an internship? They kind of move here and there, or how does it work? The scholarship and, no, and I a think, sponsor? Um, well, there are scholarships you can apply for, but I think why they can get into universities overseas, but not in Hong Kong, because Hong Kong, technically, I think there are only eight UGC-funded universities. So, but the number of students is very, very high. You know, you have students in Hong Kong, you have students in mainland China, you have international students all applying for universities in Hong Kong. Because Hong Kong has some of the best universities in Asia and even in the world. So it's extremely competitive. Um, I'm not even sure if I'm right on the numbers, but I'm guessing like what, 20, 30% of the students maybe successfully get into the universities each year. Um, but if you look globally, there are so many universities. And getting into those universities, it's not as competitive compared to Hong Kong. So actually, if they don't successfully get into universities in Hong Kong, they can actually apply overseas. Um, yes, it could be a little more expensive, because you have to think about accommodation, yeah, yeah. daily life, university fees. Um, but I think if you can afford it, why not? There's so many options. But probably they mm -hmm. need also like people like us, like I'm from Palace, I'm seeing my kids to study overseas. Mm -hmm. I have a Nepalese passport. Mm -hmm. It's probably going to another scenario, right? The visa and... <laughs> no, I think if you get accepted in the university, you get student visa. It's very straightforward. Once you get the acceptance, uh, visa is not an issue. I think it's usually the finances that are limiting for a lot of people. Yeah, they... they because in Hong Kong, it's you know it's funded by the government. Yes, you still have to pay, but it's compared to what international students would pay, it's not that high. Like even if I go study overseas, I'm paying for international student prices, which sometimes are double compared to local student prices. So Hong Kong, university is cheaper. No, like. If you're a local, local going, going to university anywhere is cheaper. So if I'm in Australia, I'm an Australian student, I can go there because I'm a local. I'm paying local student prices. But if I'm flying to Australia or UK, I'm paying, in, paying international student prices. So I guess that's the difference. Um, but I think that's very easily overcome. Like, let's just say I'm from an immigrant family. Um, I didn't do well in my exams, but I want to go to university. Uh, but my parents cannot afford to pay those, you know, really high international student fees, my daily expenses for three years, four years. Um, take a gap year, you know, work for one year, two years, save up money, and then go to university. Look, this is the thing. The gap is dangerous, man. Is it? Gap is a dangerous. Why, why do you think <clears throat> that is? Because I have almost didn't see. I've seen a lot of student from uh, different community, different uh, nationality, mm -hmm. studying and supporting their, um, you know, they're supporting 
their own education and going back to university or studying mm -hmm. and doing pretty well. But our, our it's very hard. I, I see less. I've seen a very bright student who actually come out of uh, for like let's say um, some break mm -hmm. to do the part time and stuff, and they just got stuck. Mm -hmm. uh, because of the temptation, temptation of the money, the money, the money stability, the fun, you know, mm -hmm. like uh, yeah, everything, everything. And why do I need to get a? And there are some people who are telling me. I mean, mm -hmm. still they're like, if I'm making the money right now. The reason I'm studying to make money, so I don't mm -hmm. have to go to college. Mm -hmm. Right? It's, 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 mm -hmm. it's, have you met these kind of people? Like, yeah. Because I, mean, I work in FNB, it happens mostly FNB people come, younger generation, they come and they start, you know, we're just here to part time, I want to support mm -hmm. my education. But eventually, after five years, I still see them doing the same thing. I was like, what the fuck, what happened? <laughs> but I guess maybe at that point in life, what they want is different. Or they're happy with what they no, have. This is the thing. <clears throat> we didn't have a lot of. Uh, we don't have a lot of uh, examples of mm -hmm. people. So once we get in, we just end in. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm why I'm telling you is why why I, I still think that you did great that you actually took a break, mm -hmm. save up money, and again going back. It's just like you go to um, you go to uh, you know like a amazing place to to stay and fun, but it's still real. If I go back, mm -hmm. there's a lot of hard work, but you still decide to go back and study and actually pursue your dream. Right. So it's not, I mean, it's not impossible, but mm -hmm. it's very, very hard. I've seen a lot of people get, get uh, kind of lost. I guess I was, but then I guess I was fortunate in the sense that I knew what I wanted from the very beginning. Like I knew I wanted to be a teacher. teacher. And I knew to be a teacher, I need, you know, the undergrad, I need the postgraduate degrees. You know, I know I can't just get away with that. Now, don't get me wrong, I totally enjoyed my time in FNB. Yeah, you almost like, got into it also, right? Yeah, almost yeah. <laughs> I think I, I worked in FNB for four years. Like for someone who was just working to support myself, that's a very long time. Yeah. It's almost enough to like build a career. You know, Zuma, I was getting those promotions as well. That's tempting. You know, it's fun, it's exciting, you're always on the move. You know, the temptation is there, but once again, you need to think a little more long-term. Now, that's difficult when there are no examples around you, you know, when there's no precedent to that. So that's why I said, you know, now that I look back at my cousins, you know, the younger ones, who, you know, their parents asked me about this, you know, they are not rushing to push their kids into work. No, but I, when I was working in FNB and when I was studying, you know, I also got a lot of criticism, right? <coughs> I remember one of my cousins would say, hey, hey, I don't have an undergraduate degree. Look at me. I'm earning really good money. Yeah. Like this guy, he's just studying and he's earning nothing. You know, so I don't blame him. It's more the lack of exposure, the lack of experience, the lack of uh, examples to follow. So their imagination, in a sense, is very limited. You know, it's about how much I make a month. It's not thinking about long term. Yeah, that's the thing. That's that's mm -hmm. very true. So you were born in Hong Kong. Yeah. You were born in Hong Kong, and you always here. Mm -hmm. You studying in local schools. Yeah. How was the experience studying in local schools? I think a lot of students. I'm sorry. A lot of people when they see me, because you know, I don't look Chinese. You I'm speak a, Cantonese. Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm a, I'm a brown guy per se, right? Um, <laughs> 
So they always think for some reason, especially locals, like local Chinese people, they think I must have studied in international schools. Yeah. You know, maybe that's why I'm doing well, maybe that's why I'm teaching. Uh, that's actually not true, you know. I was studying in local schools, local primary, local secondary. Uh, we never had any tutorial classes. You know, it's not something my parents would pay for, you know. Um, and I wouldn't say the experience was, you know, particularly good or particularly bad. Um, because the local schools that I went to were for, not, they used to call us non-Chinese students. NC. Where the, yeah, the Chinese NC. and non-Chinese students. So the schools that I went to were famously where all the non-Chinese students went. So there was no, so in your primary, as we mm -hmm, get back mm -hmm. to, in your primary school, there's a, um, there's a class for, um, like Cantonese class, men, Putunga uh, class, or like anything with the related to Chinese class, they have to go exams and stuff. Yes. Um, interestingly enough, because it was you know a, a school particularly catering to non-Chinese students as well. Yeah. We actually had the option to choose languages. So I think the first year or two we did have Chinese classes, but beyond that we could choose if we want to study Cantonese if, or Hindi or Urdu. <laughs> so, because it was easier, uh, I don't know, was it me or my parents? I was very young at that time, I, I don't quite remember. Uh, we opted to study Hindi. Yeah. So I took up <clears throat> Hindi for four years. And then in secondary school, again for some reason, we had the option to choose French or Chinese. Yes, I can do And for five years, we, I studied French. Um, so I didn't study much Chinese or Cantonese um, in school. But where did you pick up then? How do you learn to speak? Well, I guess because you just grow up in that environment, right? Um, it's almost like native speakers, like Nepalese, right? You're Nepalese. So you know Nepalese not because you went to Nepalese schools or your yeah. Nepalese classes, because everyone around you spoke Nepalese. Um, so you had to know that language. So it was the same for me for Cantonese as well. So everyone around you speak Cantonese from the school? Yeah, like if I go to the market, I take the bus, you know, I go shopping, whatever I do, there's Cantonese everywhere. And, you know, kindergarten, primary school, initially, they do teach you a little bit of Chinese. So that was enough to get you started. Um, but I must say, I can speak Cantonese. I can understand Cantonese at native proficiency, but I cannot read and write. My reading and writing, I would say, is kindergarten or primary level. And that's it. And then, I don't know, back in the days, and now I just, mm. um, I just find out that because my nephew, he went to... Uh, secondary school mm -hmm. so they have a band one band two kind of thing they're yes. still there back in the days yeah so you have like band one band two band three schools so band ones would be the best schools so there but are. again I, I i what do you think about this education system i mean we're not the one to, to mm -hmm. question them but so how can you decide by their primary level that they can this person can go to best school and this person is not good is not going to best school and the person who's been three they don't even exist kind of thing right they're like just going to school for well i think um that's the thing a lot of people might not choose their schools based on band one band two band three no they nowadays, might just nowadays the kids mm -hmm. are um obsessed about you know those kids who actually right. like let's say someone is mm -hmm. obsessed about uh, i want to be the best Mm -hmm, like, I, don't, mm -hmm. I want to study. Some people know when they're, when they're small. So they will go to the, the school and they'll, oh, I, I didn't get the, 
uh, admission in band one. Right. And they get sad. And they know if they're not going to band one, band two, mm -hmm. they're like, ah, mediocre, you know, I'm doing a band three. They are, man, that, nowadays students are very smart because I, how I know, mm -hmm. my nephew, my niece, my daughter herself, they know. Right. They know the category. Mm -hmm. And they knew already, okay, I'm not going to get a band in band two, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess that might be more of a thing now because they're very knowledgeable about this. Yeah. Like back when we were in school, like I didn't know about band one and band two. Like wherever our parents sent us, we just go there to study uh, back in the day. Um, but yeah, I, I guess how you don't really determine, it's not about determining oh, who gets to study in band one and band two, right? It's how well you do in your results, yeah. how well you do in the interviews. No, that's the thing. Mm -hmm. How well, that means they will start counting your primary when they just started know, you know, mm -hmm. like knowing some some of the people, some of the kids probably just, just getting to know, you know, they're probably like normal thing, right? Normal mm -hmm. thing, like um, <clears throat> hanging out with the people, mm -hmm. yeah, the friends, they're different friends, and now we start to push them on pressure on like, okay, you gotta yeah. fucking do the best, otherwise you're not gonna get into band one, band two. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just want to know, is my personal um, thought, and mm -hmm. I think I want to so is this a good thing, or is, there's a thing like in, in, uh, in, or this is also in other countries, like, how in, in other countries, how does it work? From primary to mm -hmm. the secondary, right. you, you have those kind of band one and band two stuff? Okay, um, talking about globally first, I think this is a system that exists everywhere. Okay. Like, you know, in places like Southeast Asia and in India, maybe even in Nepal, you know, you have places like um, the differentiation is all international schools and then public schools. Yeah. International schools are whatever everyone wants to go to, or English medium schools. In Nepal, is English yeah. medium and a boarding school. That means like yes, you have as it's, as much you pay more. That means mm, a good school. It's more elite in a way. Yeah. But then government schools, public schools, not that good. You know, even in places like states, you have Ivy League colleges. You know. The more elite, where more the more elite, the stronger students go, where the richer students go. So I think this kind of system, you know, where you differentiate people into categories, exists everywhere. Uh, do I agree with it? Um, no. I think, I think at that age, it's a lot of pressure to be putting on kids, and sometimes it's the parents who are putting the pressure on the kids. Because I think in some ways, parents can get very competitive as well. No, but. <coughs> That is a secondary to primary, right? Secondary, mm -hmm. uh, no, sorry. Primary, to, primary secondary. to secondary. And there's a competition for kindergarten yeah. as well. Yeah, so get into kindergartens. Kindergarten, you know, these kids just know how to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, I just know how to speak and how to talk to a, a human being. And now we're mm -hmm. deciding them, oh, you have to go to this best kindergarten international school. Right. And you pay that much of money. And there's this, this kindergarten. I was like, so I I think, mm -hmm. my personal opinion, is like people always say it's not money, but this is here, we're from the kindergarten, mm -hmm. your mm -hmm. life starts from the money. Right. Like if, okay, if you're studying in the best kindergarten, mm -hmm. there is a chance that you're going to go to best primary school. Yeah. And if you go to best primary school, there's, a, there's already, you open up the door to go to best um, secondary school. Mm -hmm. And with that money, you're buying for you a ticket to best university as well. Mm -hmm. I mean that's one. Way. That's that's definitely one way to put. Uh, and two people like us, our kids mm -hmm. would go to fucking like any school. <laughs> no, because um, I'm not sure you do. You know, there are these groups 
where the kindergarten, the primary school, and the secondary school, they will belong to the same group. So if you get into that particular kindergarten, you can go to their primary school as well. If you get into that primary school, you can go to their secondary school as well. I know that is a thing, um, but I don't necessarily equate that to better opportunities because even if you go to the best kindergartens and primary schools or secondary schools, if you are not putting in the effort, you're not focused on your studies. But I, I agree, yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. Without your um, self-interest or self-motivation, mm -hmm. there's less a but, there's opportunity to yeah. get more. You know I, what I mean? I think it does put that in a very <coughs> advantageous, advantageous position. Right? Let's say mm -hmm. someone doing very normal study, very normal, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, like thing uh, in school, very normal in, in sports, but he get more choices mm. because of he have been studying in the elite, I don't know, that you mentioned, IV or mm. whatever. <laughs> this is where um, I, I tend to have this conversation with my best friends a lot. Um, and she always tells me this. Um, also so from the education, she's also yeah, working. So my, my friend is uh, a secondary <coughs> school teacher. And what she always says is, um, yes, we agree that you know you have to put in that hard work. It really depends on the kids, you know, how driven you are, how passionate you are, how hardworking you are. But yes, the reason why students in these more elite, so-called elite schools, have an advantage, I think, is because it affords them more uh, cultural capital. You know, it provides them with more cultural capital. What is their cultural capital? Um, I think it's kind of similar to what you were talking about in terms of opportunities, right? If I'm going to, you know, like a, um, a band three local, you know, underfunded, understaffed uh, school, there's so many, so many things I can experience and do and see. Most of the people I would meet are probably from the same community. Um, you know, I'm doing very basic classes. But if I compare it to like maybe a band one international school or a very well-funded school, they might have more opportunities. Like I see some of these band one schools, uh, they bring their students to different countries during summer breaks, uh, like on camping trips. Like they're going to Denmark, they're going to UK. So as a kid, that really opens up your horizon. Of course. Like some of these students in the so-called band three schools, they might not even have left their district. Yeah. If I'm living in Tun Moon, I just know Tun Moon. I rarely go to other districts. But these kids can, you know, have that opportunity to go to UK, go to Europe, go to different countries in Asia. Uh, the sports they can do, uh, there's a lot more options. They can do golf, they can do tennis, they can do basketball, they can do football. You know, um, the type of lessons that they have, the types of teachers that they can have, the type of people they will network with and interact with. All that really opens up your mind to the possibilities. Because this is, I think, something we've been talking about, right? Yeah. Where a lot of the immigrant families, <coughs> they don't know about these opportunities because there's some example, right? It's the same with the kids. You know, if they go to these so-called better schools, you know, they are allowed access to more opportunities and it really opens up their mind to all these different things. So it's, yeah, it's definitely an advantage, you know. It allows you to, you know, give yourself more options. I'm not just limited to, okay, I need to finish my studies, try to get into university. If I don't, start working. If I do, finish my degree and then start working. 
you know, the more I experience, the more different kinds of people I meet, um, the more different places I go to, I see these different cultures, these different lifestyles, these different possibilities, you know, I am allowing myself access to all these different things. Uh, I, I won't be just limited to that. I actually have a choice, you know. So I think that is what maybe the so-called better schools or band one schools can afford the students. But <clears throat> band two, uh, band three, is that a, what is the band? How is it band one to band five? No. Um, I'm actually not that familiar. I know there's band one, band two, band three. I, I'm not sure how low it goes. I know mm -hmm. uh, one, two, and three because yes. because my nephew he he's in band two, mm -hmm. and he was very very sad that he didn't get in band one. And teacher have to convince him and tell him like, look, there's no, this is not much different between one and two. Right. But he was like, no, I, I, because this guy was so determined. He mm -hmm. is the one going, picking the school by himself. Oh, wow. By himself. And, um, and going to interview by himself mm -hmm. and teaching me how do I behave in front of teacher. Right. Because my sister and my, <coughs> my brother-in-law, they're, uh, they're busy. You know, they, mm -hmm. they, we have to work. We have to, and I managed to have, have some time. Mm -hmm. And he teached me, okay, you have to put everything nicely or that they will judge you from that. I was like, what the, man, are you mm -hmm. fucking? So I was like, well, we have to dress cool, we have to uh, present well, uh -huh, and we go uh -huh. for a plan. And we went to like, a couple of school. They do check how do you put there, and I have no idea. Actually, mm -hmm. I have no idea. I just go to school, they say, for admission, I say yes, and he's doing all the talking. Right. He's doing all the talking, 11, 12 years old. He's doing all the talking, I was like, yeah, yeah, we're doing here. And I was like, he teaches me, okay, we have to do this, we have to do that, okay, mm -hmm. this school, we have to wait over there. I was like, man, you know everything, why do we need to go? But you, then he said, they told me like, they need a parents, mm -hmm. and you just pretend to be parents. I was like, okay. <laughs> No, but I think the biggest difference between this generation, like your nephew's generation and us was information is so easily accessible to yeah. them. You know, internet, mobile phones, you can just Google it. They yeah. know everything, you know, what the they schools are everything. looking for and everything. They know everything. Yeah. They, okay, my, uh, uh, my daughter and my niece can talk about, if you talk, if you just ask them mm. election, they'll talk about election yeah. between uh, American election. Uh -huh. Automatically, I was like, "Do you even know? They know, yeah, one of the people. They know the people, but they don't know, right? But they know there's a thing happening mm -hmm. because they follow a lot of <coughs> American culture. Yeah, American culture is, is very. You know, we talk about uh, we talk about culture. I think American culture is the strongest culture. Mm -hmm. It's not a culture, by the way. Uh, it's just like stronger impact they have in a society, which is crazily amazing. Mm -hmm. The YouTube. The, the, the cartoon they watch, the way they speak, mm -hmm. the way they speak English can, you will see that, okay, this is, you know, like, those kind of accents. They never went to America, but they had that type of, the English accent also can bring them right. like this, how much is influencing there. So, they know everything was going on over there. Mm -hmm. They barely know what's going on in Hong Kong or in, in Nepal, probably. Right. Uh -huh. <clears throat> so, they know from... YouTube is a Google, so what to do, mm -hmm. when to do, how to do, mm -hmm. but they still make a mess on top of that. That is called, I think, is, I don't know, it's just like, maybe, because I personally think they know better than us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they know better than us. So what should we can teach them is actually culture, I think. Mm -hmm. 
culture means like our culture, right. what we actually, how do you respect your elder, how do you actually talk to your elder, mm -hmm. how do you behave to them. These are the things only I think we can teach because there is nothing about YouTube right. in there and there's no fun about it. Of rest, they know everything. I mean, yeah, like you said, because um, internet kind of provides them with everything and, you know, even like if the student is in band two, band three, whatever, right? They don't have access to all these opportunities, but they have access to all this information and knowledge through the internet. They can learn. They can't go to UK. They can't go to Denmark. Fine. They can Google it. They can see what UK and Denmark is like. They can see what the schools and culture is there like. You know, they can kind of pick what is good from the that. And you know, like you said, okay, we they probably know more than us, and we can't really teach them certain things anymore. They can teach us yeah. more than we can teach them. But I guess what we will have then is the experience because we have been through all that already you know we have been through the hardships we have been through failure you know we have been through the struggle so i guess that is where they might be somewhat lacking like the hands-on experience they don't really have that yet so that is i guess where we kind of supplement and i feel like this is where our generation has to you know, really differentiate from the previous generation. Because our parents, for them, education was like, okay, send the kids to school, we're gonna work. They grow up, they start work, and they have better life. Send those kids to school, mm -hmm. sometimes is not only for to, to get a job, it's just like, because I think everyone's in school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's just like, a, it's like mm -hmm. a things to follow, right? right? Yeah, it's just like things to follow. But I feel like for us, because we know better, we have been through the education system and experienced all this in Hong Kong, we can't just do that. Because we know now that schools won't really teach students or young people everything they need to know. Um, I, I think this is all over the internet. You know, if you access Instagram, Facebook, you get a lot of these quotes and things. You know, the education system is very flawed in the sense that they don't really teach you a lot of the practical skills you need. For example, schools never teach you how to do your taxes, right? Schools never teach you about uh, how to manage your finances. Schools never teach you uh, about uh, how to take care of yourself in terms of your mental health, yeah. you know? So these things we have experienced now, um, this is where we have to supplement it at home. Um, because I think people, again, confuse knowledge and information very easily. Just because you're well-educated does not mean you're, you know, you're knowledgeable. Um, you know, how much of what you can learn you can actually implement and use, or how much of that's actually useful in the real world. You know, it's, it's actually very different. So we can't, you know, have the same approach as our parents did or the previous generations did. But I think this is, this is where I think we, we kind of uh, changing the, the barrier and we're kind of adopting the the, the new new culture mm -hmm. like this is the this is the podcast you see me coming out of from from nowhere like mm -hmm. I, I was telling I don't know I was telling my friend so I was born uh, I when I was going in Nepal mm -hmm. uh, we will gather up the wood and get a fire mm -hmm. and that's how we used to cook food mm -hmm. if I show that to my daughters who's born and raised in Hong Kong right they are like what is that impossible? <laughs> they wouldn't know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but now we're sitting down and in front of the 
the the Mac and we're talking having a Starbucks mm -hmm. <laughs> and talking in the iFi headphone and right. mic mic. I, I don't think I ever imagined that that we're gonna come into this this situation that what we're doing right now. Mm -hmm. And that's why I use this opportunity to to probably uh, I don't want to say that educate. Mm -hmm. I want like because I do I don't want to go through that the boring when I, oh, I want people to get inspired, and no, mm -hmm. it's not, you don't have to inspire anyone, but I right. want people to, to, to people who actually, like, I get to learn so many things just now with you, mm -hmm. although we've been met so many times, we talk about so many things, but we never had to sit down and talk, like, okay, what is the education, how immigrant people can get a, a more information that we just share, right, what mm -hmm. it's been, what been to, and this is the thing I want, if someone listening, someone will listen, and they have some idea, and they can actually go back and, we're not sharing education to kind of mm -hmm. uh, to change their life, but I think it's just kind of giving a little bit of information that actually, yeah. in a fun way, right? In a fun I guess way. it's just sharing what we know, like yeah, experience. I don't, I don't think yeah, I don't think like any one of us are experts in everything in life. Yeah. For example, you know a lot of things that I would know nothing about. Yeah. You know, I might know some things that you don't know about. Uh, yeah. I think it's almost like um, you mentioned you and your daughter, right? Um, you know how to build fires, chop wood, yeah. cook food on the fire, but your daughter would know about you know access to the internet, all about band one, yeah. band two. So she is supplementing you with that information where, while you can teach her about these hands-on experiences that you have had. So everyone knows different things because we had different experiences in life. So it's not about, you know, I'm better than you or, you know, I'm inspiring you. It's just, again, exposure to how different people live their lives and how different people have experienced different things in life, right? It's just sharing. It's just seeing yeah. other people's stories. Seeing other people's stories and actually to 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 gain something, if we can gain something out mm -hmm. of it. Otherwise, it just, it's, it's a talk. is we just um, having conversation and mm -hmm. having a good time probably together. Yes. Okay, yeah. So, uh, so you you born in Hong Kong and you live here forever. How often do you go back to India? Um, I guess that was very much determined by my parents, right? Um, I think back when I was much much younger, um, when I was a little kid, we would go back maybe every two three years, four years, uh, like once every two years, once every three years. But obviously, as we got older, you know, with school and work and everything, it becomes less and less frequent. It became like, oh, if there's a special occasion, if someone's getting married, or if there's something happening, then we would go back. But yeah, we still went back every now and then. But when was the last time you were there? Oh, wow. Um, like five, six years ago, probably. I think the last time I went was my sister's wedding. Again, it was an occasion, a special occasion, so that was the reason I went. But yeah, since then, um, because I think my grandparents used to live there, so that was the reason why we would visit. Because um, we have a place there, our grandparents would live there. But I think afterwards, after my sister's uh, wedding, because my grandmother passed away, and my grandfather moved here with us to Hong oh. Kong, because otherwise he was alone. Yeah. Um, so we don't have immediate family per se there. To, so, to, to go back to, to have yeah. this. <clears throat> so, so that's why I guess it's been a while since I've been back now. So, but how is the, what is the, what is the culture shock when you, when you go back to 
India and when you come back Hong Kong, do you think oh you belongs to <laughs> you belongs or you're here, you're there? Because uh -huh. you know although you don't born but you still have that kind of you know I think this is a very interesting story because um I wouldn't say it's a cultural shock because um again my fa my family is Indians, right? Uh, at home, despite us living in Hong Kong, you know, everything's Indian. We speak Punjabi, we speak Hindi, we watch Bollywood films, we listen to Hindi and Punjabi music, there's Indian food in the household. So when I go back, more or less it's the same, so I wouldn't say it's a cultural shock. But there is this thing, you know, where I am from, because when I go back to India, technically I'm ethnically Indian, right? My yeah, ethnic yeah, city is Indian. Ethnicity. But when I go back to India, even people I do not know, when they look at me, they know I'm not from India. They would they would see me as a foreigner. Like in the in Hindi they say Bahasi Ayahe. Like oh, you're from outside, you're from a foreign country. Right? But when I'm back in Hong Kong, I'm born and raised in Hong Kong. Uh, in a way I my my culture per se is kind of mishmash of Hong Kong and Indian culture. So I speak Cantonese, I grew up here, I eat Chinese food, but because again, my skin color, you know, I look Indian, I'm brown, so people wouldn't see me as a Hong Kong or, you know, as a local. So no matter where I went, I was always this foreigner, <laughs> interestingly enough. Um, Does it bother you or like, you get used to it? I think maybe as a kid, it used to bother me, because I think back in the 90s, you know, people were not still very accepting of uh, people from other places. Um, that you know both sides in Hong Kong or in, in, in India in Hong Kong in Hong Kong um, because I was mostly in Hong Kong you know there was a lot of very explicit overt racism when I was a kid in the 90s because again people were not used to it you know it wasn't very international yet um, so there was some or just a lack of, lack of knowledge of yeah. other cultures and people from other countries yeah. um, I, I don't I, I stopped calling racism I think mm -hmm. it's not about the race Okay. It's just a na lack of yeah. knowledge, isn't it's, it? A lack of understanding. Lack of understanding, um, mm -hmm. um, uh, lack of knowledge, mm -hmm. and also uh, it's because I don't think it, I uh, you know this, describe me racism is what is racism? I guess treating you differently based on your race. Yes, right. Rather than so that you means, as a person, yeah. That means that person who is called racist mm -hmm. will will be treating everyone indifferently, no matter, no matter, um, no matter how much money you make, how mm -hmm. rich you are, yeah. and they will know, right? So this this is the thing. That's why I don't call it racism. People don't look at it that way. I can tell. I can tell you. You go to. The examples are the same here mm -hmm. when they want to rent these places. <clears throat> if you go as a as a as a as a brown person, as mm -hmm. a or Nepalese, as a look, I work in a bar, can I rent a place? They say no. Mm -hmm. And we think oh, that's not that's racism. That means that person against race. No. Mm -hmm. And you go there as a millionaire and say, Oh, I wanna buy the place. So they will give it to you or not? Or do you say I wanted to rent the place? But you show them what I do, I work in a bank. Mm -hmm. They will give it to you. So it's not a, a, in my no, understanding. I, I mean, in those cases, I'll, I'll say yes, maybe not. But there are instances, right? For example, when I was a kid, a primary school kid or junior secondary kid, you know, uh, like local students would 
uh, local people would call me names. They would just shout out um, like racist slurs. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to say them now, but um, yeah, that, that was a very common thing. And, you know, they would shout at you. It was very aggressive. And as a kid, you kind of like got freaked out. Like I was just walking by and I would just try to leave. But you know the meaning of them? Yeah, I know. I knew the meaning of those. Okay. Um, but even... Let's just say, you know, going to school, I get ready in the morning, I shower every morning, get ready, I take the lift, all right? The moment I enter the lift, the people in the lift would cover their noses. <laughs> and, but I'll, as a kid, I, that always made me think, you know, I literally shower every morning with soap, I wear fresh iron clothes. Like you know, like, yeah, you don't even think, you don't have to even um, as a kid, think like, about it, but yeah. I'm thinking, like, I literally don't smell. I'm, you know, fresh, I'm clean, but people just automatically cover their nose the moment they see you, not because when you're standing them, standing next to them and they smell something, it's just the moment they see or a brown guy, cover their nose. That was a very instinctive reaction people used to have when I was a kid. You know, we used to take, um, I used to live in Taipo um, and I always take bus to go to school um, in Kuntong and then rush hour, packed buses, huge lines, you know, everyone's standing, everyone's cramped together. But sometimes the seat next to me would stay empty, right from the first station to the last station. Despite there's no space in the bus, people are standing, every seat is taken except the one next to me. And that always made me feel very self-conscious as a kid, you know, because I was like, why? I don't smell just because I look different. But eventually, I guess you just kind of have to learn to accept it. I was like, fine, you know, more space for me. Yeah, more space know? for you, that's what I'm saying. But at the same time, you know, if it was some other kid or some other person um, who didn't look, who isn't brown, it wouldn't happen to them. So for me, I saw that as racism, right? You know, because there could be a random person getting on the lift who smells bad, but no one would cover their nose. Yeah. Because it's that person is not a foreigner per se or belonging to a different in, ethnic In that city. case, yeah that, yeah, that is a kind of... I think that is also when you said it was before. Mm, in the mm, 90s especially, yeah. yeah. Now I think as people accept it, mm. it's, and people are more, more educated, people travel a lot, mm. people meet new people uh, from different culture, people are actually married to a, a, yeah. right, right, to a different uh, people from different countries, which was back in the days were still not really popular, mm -hmm. rare, like you rarely see people being yeah. married uh, to uh, a different country's person. Mm -hmm. It's not, that's the thing, it's hard to, I can tell you, you're from India, I mean, at least you're from mm -hmm. India, I'm from Nepal, it's, it's still, there's a thing that people, there is a, a forget about race, there is still a, within our, Nepalese to Nepalese, you can't get married to some of the people, mm -hmm. if you go still those. Uh, villages and based on caste, based and, on know. caste, based on caste. Mm -hmm. So, so actually, it's it started somewhere. Right. It, it's still there, and it's still there. And we are we and now what we're seeing in Hong Kong, like uh, as a Nepalese, someone getting married to uh, Chinese, someone mm -hmm. getting married to uh, British, someone getting married to different cultures, someone getting married to African, mm -hmm. and so it's just happening now. So we're seeing a lot of um, cultural changes. So the people now more more well-known, right? It's not mm -hmm. like because my color is I'm smell, because I'm fucking not taking a shower, this, that's why I'm maybe I'm smelly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Again, right, access to information, access to knowledge, experiences with different people, you know, people are getting more used to seeing different types of people from all around the world. You know, you have access to internet, you know, you're accessing culture from different parts of the world. You know, you see it, uh, people being represented in popular media, in films, in music. Yeah. 
been in TV shows. Um, so yeah, people are just more exposed um, to people from all around the world and they understand better and they know that it's not acceptable. I'm not saying there is no more racism anymore. Obviously there is still, um, but it's very subtle now. It's not very overt, it's not very explicit. I think it's, it's, so, it's um, subtle people also know that it can be, it, it can, uh, you know, put you in a bad situation. It, it is illegal yeah, yeah, as yeah, well yeah, now. Yeah. So that's a huge difference yeah, yeah. compared to the 90s. Yeah, it's yeah, illegal yeah, it's, now. It's kind of um, mm. illegal and people know, but some people still will do that with old people yeah, yeah. Who, who lack of, education and I think mm -hmm. legal or illegal for them yeah. their mind they're still living 70s mm -hmm. right yeah some people still exist just stereotypes yeah okay. older generation that, that they have and also sometimes <coughs> is sometimes is I think is our fault also like as you know mm -hmm. to to face racism sometimes our stereotype is also very strong what we do what we actually we, you know it's very very it's there are a few things mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure you know well. I, I know I what we do. We know it's wrong, but we do it very proudly. Say okay, this this is us. This mm -hmm. we do. Mm -hmm. I think also we also have to kind of um, you know like accept the the changes and try to do it in a better way that that people can accept it and we don't have to we don't have to be stereotyped like okay. Um, mm -hmm. I, there are a few things I want to mention, but I don't think it's as good as I did. So we do that. We do that. Um, I'm not sure. I, uh, again, I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I see where you're coming from because yeah. there are people who kind of fit these stereotypes or yeah. reinforce these stereotypes. But, you know. Do you remember last time we talked about in this coffee shop as well? Mm -hmm. I think. There are some people, yeah, there definitely there are some people, but right. it, their one person representative doesn't represent us, right? There's mm -hmm. one person who's doing exactly the same stereotype that people think about us, mm -hmm. us mm -hmm. and that doesn't represent us. Right. Yeah, there are some people, there are definitely some people who actually... Mm. I think it kind of goes both ways, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there are certain um, stereotypes about Chinese people, about Indian people, about Nepalese people, about Americans, about British people. But, and I'm well aware of these stereotypes, but again, it's, it's a choice. Like, do I kind of buy into these stereotypes and act and treat people based on these stereotypes? Yeah. Or do I treat people based on how they treat me? Or, you know, based on, because I feel like the way I treat people reflects more on me than it reflects on them. You know, the way I treat you shows what kind of person I am rather than what kind of person you are. Um, but again, I think, yes, it's so much better compared to the 90s. And I don't expect it to magically just go away and for everyone to be accepting, right? It takes generations to have like a, this complete change. So that's why I feel like, you know, you always hear the news, you know, young people are protesting against racism and all that. It's because for their generation, this is unacceptable. Right for them, you know the things we experience, they couldn't even imagine. You know, like oh wow, people can do this. That's yeah. horrible. How come that was acceptable? It was just a different time, you know, um, different generations. So it's gonna take a few more generations for it to be a lot more accepting. Um, yeah, it's gonna. It's just gonna take time. It's gonna take time. It's gonna take time. But yeah, but is is the thing is. Is is everywhere 
and uh, we have to face it but how do we take it mm-hmm. as a as a not a negative way and just let it go what do you think um because you know what i i i realize i start realizing like mm-hmm. some people are like that you know like mm-hmm. they're not going to change it but do you do i want them to them to be in, to add a negativity in my day like let's say someone is very, very racist to me in the morning mm-hmm. like i don't know someone behaving very really bad and another person is always like that so should i go on after him and make my day worse or you know ruin my day or should i just leave it at ah fuck it man i could i just um i'll say i mean it to be honest yes it will annoy you it's yeah. disappointing it's frustration it makes you angry um no doubt about it um but you know what's the point of going after that yeah. person isn't it um like in a sense i'll say that person is not worth your time why would you spend your time your energy your headspace yeah, yeah. on a person you don't know who has no impact on your life who is not important in your life uh, why would you spend it on that person rather than something that's meaningful to you like your work your career yeah, yeah. your family yeah. you know your passion um and why would i let someone ruin my day you know i it's better to just be con- in control of your emotions like i'm not going to give anyone the power to to determine what my day is going to be like you know i'm not going to let a random stranger ruin my whole day ruin my 24 hours that person is not important why would i let him do that so right? yeah so yeah i i get it that's that's mm-hmm. what i think but some of i have some of the friends mm-hmm. they think if you don't I mean, teach them a lesson doesn't mean we have to fight. I and mean, yeah. we should, edu- if you don't educate them, they're going to repeat the same thing. But mm-hmm. why would I go after the person who probably don't even want to understand, mm-hmm. probably don't don't even want to, to, you know, the, like, you know, like, educate them, go, hey, why, mm-hmm. why, why are you yeah. telling me this? Why, you know, this is wrong. Mm-hmm. That means, I'm, as you said, I'm wasting my time. Right. I'm wasting my day because it will be maybe mm-hmm. a bit worse over there. They got to what? I don't care. Right. But if we leave him, as you said, if we leave him, that's what I think also. Mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. let him go. But the other part of the people, my friends are saying, so, but they, this guy, well, I'm not going to learn the lesson and he's going to do the same thing and again and again. Mm-hmm. But I think you, you can't really force someone to change, right? Especially a full-grown adult. You know, it's very hard to change someone. I think it's very naive. Do we you think, think so? Yeah, this is the topic. It, it's, How can we yeah. change people who are grown up I think it's very naive if we think like me telling that person this is wrong and they will change. You know, it's very hard. Um yes, I'll still that person, you know, what you're doing is wrong. It's it doesn't make sense. Like why would you think this way? I would talk, but beyond that it's not my responsibility. Like for me, yes, I would teach my students. I would teach a younger generation. You know, I kind of like expose them to more different things, different cultures, different kinds of people. um so that the next generation or there are more people who are more understanding so if it's just me telling this person that that, that that's wrong they might not change but if everyone around them you know there's more people telling that person you know actually this is not right it might push that person to think about it you know if that person's kids that person's friends that person's family is telling them it's wrong 
it might be better. Well, it, and if they don't think it's wrong, they don't want to change again. You know, that's their life. I can't make any decisions for them. You know, I don't know what that person have been through. I'm gonna live my life. I'm gonna move on because again, my life's purpose is not to make that person you know better. You know. Um, what if the person is your friend? Why? Uh, uh, <laughs> you caught me off guard there. Um, I'll say I'm very fortunate in the sense that all my friends are very, you know, knowledgeable, intelligent, you know, people. You know, I think sometimes we misinterpret um, well-educated as intelligent, you know. Yes, I think that's very important. Yeah. It's not, it's mm. not. I, I, I also recently thinking about it. Mm. Well-educated doesn't count there. Because a lot of these negative experiences that I do have with people who are who might be sexist, who might be racist, you know, they're very, very well-educated people. You know, I've seen extremely well-educated people who are in high positions making very inappropriate comments about women. You know, I've seen really, really well-educated people making very, very inappropriate people uh, comments about, you know, people from different race or, you know, kind of perpetuating stereotypes. Um, and, you know, when I was an uh, undergrad student, I wrote this thing, because um, we used to have writing classes, like creative writing classes, um, educated illiterates. Because illiterate means you're not educated, but then they're educated illiterates. I think even in Hindi, there's this uh, saying called, I'm not sure if you heard of this, uh, yeah. yeah, so you're educated, but you're still illiterate. So, you know, education cannot help everyone, you know, sometimes. Um, so that's something we have to accept. So fortunately for my friends, at least, there's no one. they're all very intelligent, open-minded, accepting, you know, very practical. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how would I handle it if it was one of my friends. Yes. No, I try to, it's mm -hmm. not about, <clears throat> I think it's, it can be all type of situation, mm -hmm. right? If someone is, as a friend, someone is making a mistake. Yeah. Um, and our our job as a friend mm -hmm. to to tell him that this is wrong mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I think you should not do that. It's not about the race or right. racism or anything, it's like anything. And the person is doing the same thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and me going there, telling all the friends, I think we need to warn him mm -hmm. that this is wrong. I think sometimes more than warning someone, I think Confrontation, it's not always, or pointing out the issue isn't always helpful. I think sometimes more about having a conversation about why that is problematic, right? So sometimes, you know, I encounter, you know, people who would say, comment on the way a woman is dressed, you know, but instead of saying, you know, hey, you shouldn't say this. If I say that, they were like, oh, I'm just kidding, right? Uh, that doesn't really change their mindset. I would actually just start talking about it. I was like, no, actually, that looks pretty good. Like, you know, she feels comfortable, so why not? You know, like, I sometimes dress like this as well, or I dress very, you know, I dress down or whatever. So I actually start discussing it with that person. So that might not immediately change that person's mind, or they might not start making, stop making inappropriate comments, but um, at least it makes them think. And if you continue this, you know, I think the people start eventually realize, you know, oh, actually, I should stop doing this, or actually, this is not okay. Yeah, I think, but the thing is, this 
social media also mm. social media and sometimes um, the people you hanging around with also can be changed can um, <coughs> impact in your life being mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I don't understand I people you know this, this is a topic that actually I always, always want to talk if if I'm doing wrong mm -hmm. and if I got confronted by the mm -hmm, person mm -hmm. do I don't you think I should go back and think about okay why I have to have faced these consequences because I was doing wrong mm. no I wasn't doing wrong this is the way I should do this is right mm -hmm. but there's a whole bunch of people telling you this is wrong mm -hmm. and you have to think about it okay just leave that in one right. time but it happened to you a second time again mm -hmm. and your friends and your peers mm -hmm. and telling you no man this is right mm -hmm. no lady this is this is right this is the way you should do it Mm -hmm. The person who you who you who you're talking with, they're wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, second time again, uh, the person it, they're not even connected with the people because what I I one time I wanted to change uh, my friends, uh, very close friends, mm -hmm. uh, to they f they face once and twice and they think oh this is wrong why it happened to me and sometimes I was like don't you what do you think about Do you, don't you think that you're doing something wrong? That's why it's mm -hmm. coming to you again and again. Right. And no, but they told me I was right. But I'm like, dude, some this is the social media and mm -hmm. those friends. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of social media. Also, there's and then and then they come out with the post. Okay. Right. Oh, I'm doing this. This is my life. I'm an, I'm going through. And there's a 50 people that yeah, you gotta do it, man. Mm -hmm. This is the way. You know, like follow your instinct. They have no idea what happened in all the story. This is right. really two sentences and, and the boosting, you know, that's the, mm -hmm. the dopamine is going yeah. there and giving you all the positive vibe, the fake positive vibe. Uh, so uh, social media is very controversial in that sense because, or just internet in general, because the friends you have on social media, yes, they can be very positive and, re, you know, kind of reinforce what you're saying and support you. But yeah, it's but very easy to say that on the internet because you're not liable. Yeah. You know, it's not your responsibility. You can just say anything without thinking about the consequences, without thinking about the impact. And a lot of people actually do that. And, you know, when it comes to right and wrong, you know, it's very subjective. You know, something that can be right for you can be wrong for me. Yeah. And a lot of it is also to do with people you surround yourself with. You know, if all your friends, your family think what you're doing is correct, you wouldn't think what you're doing is wrong. Even if some stranger tells you or someone else tells you, hey, you're doing wrong, but hey, 50 other pe people tell me it's right. It's right. And they're also doing it. So how can it be wrong? You know, if out of 50 people, 49 people say you're right, you'll say you're right as well, right? I think there is, um, I forgot who it was. I read this quote by some guy uh, on social media, some one of those businessmen or uh, motivational speakers, and he's like, show me who your um, five closest friends are or five closest people around you and I will tell you what your future five, ten years are going to be Dan like. Dan Pena, I think, yeah. yeah. Don Pena, something this guy did. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and that's actually very true, isn't it? Because uh, I think about who my closest friends are, like not only for today, but before I used to think about it, 
you know, how I managed to get through my studies or, you know, get to my career and job. All my closest friends are actually, you know, really interested in, you know, teaching. They're well-educated. They love reading. You know, they love to travel. You know, they're very well-traveled and well-experienced. They have done a lot of different things in life. So I actually look at them and I was like, oh, you know, I can actually do this. This is kind of inspiring. I learned so much from those people. But if I had my, my five closest friends were, Doing I don't know. Else. Yeah, if they were, I don't know, cr- let's just say criminals, right? All my five of my closest friends are criminals. Or 10 of my closest friends are criminals. I know it's a very extreme example, <laughs> but I might see this as, oh, you know, I can actually do this. This is easy money. This is a lifestyle. And I might actually adopt that. You know, because we are very easy to be influenced. Like you said, your children are very influenced by American culture. It's very easy to get influenced by people around you, especially if there's constant exposure, isn't it? So I felt lucky in the sense that all my friends were really interested in, you know, books, into education, into um, becoming better people, into traveling around the world and experiencing different things. So I think I kind of uh, took those uh, traits from them. You know, it's almost like, um, when you see different things or like you're in the F&B business, right? You might go around the world, try different bars and it's like, oh, that's actually a good idea. I can take that. You go to another place. That's a good idea. I can actually use that as well. So you take good things you learn from different places and kind of make your own thing out of it. I think that's also true for people, isn't it? That's right. And that's, that's why it's, it's... So, no, the, so my question is, should the person... Trust the fifty percent from their side, or don't listen to the hundred percent in opposite side, or, or how 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 do you, what do you think the the person should make a decision on it after making the mistakes and mistakes, and but still, um, <laughs> um oh wow, um, so what should you're asking me? What should people do after yeah, making yes, mistakes? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. What should those people will should we go? Uh, so the question is again. Um, mm-hmm. So the person doing the same mistakes, and uh-huh. but they, they have a support that telling the person is actually you're doing mm-hmm, it right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there's a hundred fifty people who's actually against this idea or against the, this this belief that this is wrong. Mm-hmm. It's totally wrong. Mm-hmm. And you already got lesson because of that, mm-hmm. but you're still not learning the lesson. Mm. So, how, what is what what is the, I want to know? How do we help him to get out from that? There's a two okay. answer I got. There's two mm-hmm. answers. Okay, one, so one, that, okay, I give you an example. One told me, "Fuck it, man. That's mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. Move on. Enjoy." Mm-hmm. But I was like, "But that's my friend. Mm-hmm. You know, like if I I know if 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 my one hour of time doesn't bother if." If I can spend my one hour of time and um, can change someone's mm-hmm. life, why not? Mm-hmm. But uh, but you did it already. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm asking other people to help. Right. <laughs> so what do you suggest? I think the thing with mistakes is, I think that's just human nature, isn't it? We tend to repeat our mistakes over and over again. and we will continue, or that person will continue to make the same mistakes until they have truly learned their lessons. Because sometimes it's not about how many people tell you you're right or wrong. You know, sometimes I do certain things, 
which would offend a lot of people, you know? And I know it's better for me that I don't do certain things. But I know what I'm doing is right. So even if 100 people are telling me, God, don't do that, you know, avoid doing that, I'll still do it because I know I'm right. I truly believe that. Uh, same with making mistakes, you know? If I'm making a mistake, okay, I'll say, oh, I made a mistake. You know, I'm not going to do that again. Next time I make the same mistake, it's because I didn't learn the lesson. Because if I've already learned the lesson, I wouldn't do the same thing. Now, I'm not saying, for, in your case, you know, it's really about personality. You know, some people would be like, all right, I tried. All right, I try to help my friend. I tell them why they're wrong. I know how they, I told them how they can improve. I'm trying to, you know, make them a better person. You know, um, I did it once. All right, that person didn't listen. There's not much else I can do. I tried. Uh, but for some people, it would be like, you know, no, this friend uh, matters to me a lot. All right. I'm going to go out on my way, try different methods to help them. All right. So it's really about personality. Like maybe your personality is like you really truly care about this friend and you really want the better for them. So you might just keep on trying. <laughs> and you might have to just try until they learn. All right. Or maybe it'll never happen. You never know. So Right. Yeah, probably we, 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 we give it a try and find out. But what is the what are the biggest mistakes that you're not gonna repeat again? Maybe something you can't mention it, no? <laughs> and oh wow. <laughs> I, I'm I'm very confident I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. Yeah, that's how we I think we, we grow, that's how we grow. Yeah. I think we should make mistakes. Because I feel like I am more I'm a better person for it and I'm more knowledgeable for it because I made so many mistakes in life. Um, I wouldn't say which one's the biggest mistake or the smallest mistake, because they're so drastically different. Yeah. You know, and it really depends on at what stage of life you are at, right? Because yeah. for example, um, when I was a secondary school student, because we were talking about education earlier, right? I used to be, you know, I'm not trying to praise myself, but I used to be a smart kid. I used to be a hardworking kid. I would just like study, do my assessments, you know, get really good grades, always in the top three. But, you know, closer to the public examination, I remember I wasn't focusing on my education as much as I should have, you know, and that was why I failed to get into the university the first time. Oh, really? Yeah. Because that's... But how do you fail? That means they just say, okay, no, no. No, I, did, I didn't focus on my studies. I didn't revise for the exams, so I didn't do well and I kind of failed. So uh -huh. they, do you have to do, do exams to get in university? Yeah, the public examinations. So and you get failed. Yeah, um, not all of them, but uh, like biology, chemistry. You know, I was a science student back in the day. Um, so when I was in, um, when I was an undergrad student, university student, I would think back like, ah, oh, I wish I worked harder back then. I didn't like, you know, got get distracted with other things and socializing and focus more on my studies when it was very important. You know, it would have saved me two years. I would have been in university earlier, you know? But by the same time, when I think about it, if I had gone like the perfect route, you know, secondary school, university, university. immediately masters, immediately start teaching, I feel like a lot of the people I know now, I would have never met. You know, I probably would have never met you. I never yeah. would have met all the people I met in F&B. Um, I wouldn't have experienced all those things and learned those lessons, you know, about what is important, how should I approach life, 
you know, I wouldn't have all these people sharing their experiences with me, you know, about what their life is like. So today I would have been a completely different person. So I am happy with where I am today, with the person I am today, but that is also because of the mistakes I've made in the past. So <clears throat> right after you fail the exam for the mm -hmm. university, how do you feel and do you like acknowledge that that was your mistake or you're like, oh, oh shit, maybe the university made a mistake, you know, um, I did the best. No, or I like, or you knew that, oh, this is No, this I, is knew. Me. I, I knew, I knew, I didn't put in the effort. I knew I messed up. And like I said, there was no precedent around me about people going to universities, right? Um, and I didn't know what to do. I was quite lost. And I was like, you know what? I'll just take the exams again. Um, and for like the first two or three months, right after the exams, you know, I just studied very hard. I just kept studying, 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 and slowly just died down again because you can't do that continuously by yourself independently for a whole year. You know, and then there was this pressure like your parents start talking about because it's a gap year. I'm studying myself. Like, oh, maybe you should start working. Like, forget you feel, just stop working, right? So that was a lot of pressure yeah. in a way. But at the same time, I learned a lot from that as well. You know, I, I, I mean, I'm not saying I don't regret it. Yes, I should be hardworking and all that, but, <laughs> you know, but during that period, I would say, not that, yeah, maybe I don't regret it, but it was a lesson I learned the hard way. So, and then what holds you uh, for the, uh, the master's degree when you work in Zuma? So what was the, that year that you, why you stopped? You mean why I stopped working in Zuma? No, why you stopped going to college and, and working? Oh, because um, I was just saving up for postgraduate degree because postgraduate degrees are not cheap, right? Oh, that's why you, you were saving it. You were saving yeah, it. Yeah, so oh. after I graduated from undergrad, I, start, I worked for a year to save up enough money so I can... Because for undergraduate degree, I can work and study at the same time and each semester I would save up enough. And I also picked up student loan actually during that period. Yeah, yeah. so how does a student loan work? Uh, so student loan, there are like different kinds. Um, so you have Who these- Who gives student loan in Hong Kong? The government. The banks? Um, no, I think you apply for the government. You apply like for financial the assistance, I think. And there are these like uh, tested loans and non-tested loans. So tested loan is they check your uh, family background. Yeah. So they feel like, okay, your family is kind of like not earning enough, slightly underprivileged. Um, then they do a whole background check and then they give you a loan. Non-tested is they don't check anything. You just apply for it you, and then you get it. But I think you also have to pay interest and everything. So once you graduate, once you finish your studies, that's when you start paying back, not when you're studying. And you pay back monthly. So anyone can apply? Yeah, any Would students can apply. After uh, secondary? I think so. Because I think the secondary schools have financial assistance for um, students who can't really pay for uh, under, no, can't pay for secondary school, like the school fees and everything. But They're, in Hong Kong, it's very cheap, no? The, the secondary school, if you're not in international elite yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think there are still kind of like um, slightly underprivileged students, so they have to apply for financial assistance, you know, for textbooks, for travel, for school fees, and all those kind of things. So I think students who get financial assistance don't have to pay the school fees, or they get a little money to help pay for the textbooks and traveling as well. Yeah. 
Right, man. And so what is the, I want to ask you the last question actually, is mm-hmm. that, <clears throat> so what are you seeing yourself in 10 years on like, what do you have, what are you planning to do? Oh, this, this is a tough question to answer because this is something I've been discussing with my friends as Just well. Just now, really? <laughs> no, no, um, over the past year or so because all the goals that I set as a, when I was a secondary school student, you know, I want to be a teacher. Uh, eventually I want to be a lecturer, I want to do this, I want to do that. I feel like I've achieved all those things already a lot sooner than I thought I would. So what's next? Um, That's a good question. Um, I'll probably continue to teach um, at a university level. Um, But other than that, I'm not sure. I'm exploring the possibilities of uh, going out of Hong Kong as well and teaching somewhere else. You know, not just to get out of Hong Kong, but I feel like... Just to get more experience? Yeah, I see a lot of my peers, like a lot of the other lecturers and professors. Before they came to Hong Kong, a lot of them have experiences in many different countries. Yeah. Like they've taught in UK, they've taught in Singapore, they've taught in Dubai. And you hear all these stories about, you know, the differences in teaching styles and education systems around the world. You know, it's very eye-opening. So I was wondering maybe... Thinking about the possibility of maybe trying exploring that as well. Yeah. I think it will be a good experience. Because I feel like the world's really big and we, a lot of the times, we end up spending most of our lives in the same, same place. place. Um, which I feel like is a bit of a pity, you know, because I feel like there's just so much out there that we never see or experience. Yeah. Now, is, now is the time to travel. I mean, not now. Not now. now. <laughs> <laughs> With COVID, it's definitely a lot harder, you yeah. know. Things we took for granted or like traveling, you know, before you could just, if I want to fly, I can just book a flight immediately. Yeah, yeah. Like right now, I can book a flight and like fly three hours later. Yeah. To go to like, Philippines. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. But now it's not possible anymore. So, <laughs> so yeah, fingers crossed. I'm not quite sure what I want to do in the next 10 years, but I'll st- probably still be teaching. Hopefully have a little more experience in different things. Yeah, and, man. I think, I, I think I, I, I wanted to see you always giving the positive vibe and inspiring people like us. Or maybe younger generation. Mm-hmm. I'm not that young. I'm like <laughs> so. I mean, you're doing the same. You're doing. You're you're inspiring probably a lot more people than I am. I mean, we we, we yeah. just here we just here and doing the stuff that we love. Mm-hmm. And the same is teaching you love. Yeah. I, I I do. I love bartending. I love to, um, talking to people. So this mm-hmm. is what we're doing, and 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 hope we will continue doing the same thing. And yeah, if anyone get get anyone wants to get inspired, anyone gets to learn something. Is they know where to find me, and if they want to find you, they if they find me, I'll find you. Yeah. <laughs> both both targets are available. Well done, thank you, man. Thank you for no again no, thank you for having coming me. by and um, and coming to this small studio and doing no, this to us. It's my pleasure. Totally my pleasure. Scared talk, man. Thank you. All right, cheers, man. Um, cut.